This episode brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're driving, cleaning, and even exercising. But what if you could be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. And auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Multitask right now. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Nick, if I if I don't get a major winner like this one or I'm going to give myself the rest of next year, I think we have to just end the podcast because I, I clearly have no idea what I'm talking about. Um... I think you're. I mean, I, I'm not here to critique anybody's swing, but it, it just feels like you're forcing it a little bit. I mean, I'm I'm definitely forcing it with this major. <laughs> <laughs> this is at the turn. It's time for discussion and interviews about the world of golf you won't hear anywhere else. Here are your hosts, Nick Heidelberger and Joe Simons. Glory's last shot, the British Open Championship is this week. Nick and I will lay out our potential winners for you. And what's a thing all golf courses should enforce? Nick, right off the top, I'm going to throw a curveball right at you. Okay. If any of the the at-the-turn patrons correctly identify the winner of the British Open prior to the start of the tournament on Apple Podcasts by leaving us a review with five stars and the British Open champion. I'm going to send you three boxes of Vice Golf Balls. Three for oh. my own personal collection. Oh my God. What a nice guy you are. I love that. That's so the again, best promo we've ever run. I, I I thought of it 30 seconds ago and I feel great about it. Oh three boxes of Vice Pro Plus Golf Balls. All you got to do is go to Apple Podcasts, go to At The Turn, probably there right now you're looking at it leave a review give us five stars that's a prerequisite if you leave us one star and identify the winner i'm sorry that's no vice golf you get a lump of coal in the mail exactly right (laughs) you get pinnacles right (laughs) you're definitely going to get some bright red pinnacles sent your way (laughs) so that's the business right off the top we are going to talk about the british open give you our winners but Nick, I want to start with hold on something no, I before you about. even before oh, you even I, I, oh, I can't please. wait to get to this. But I'm just going to acknowledge for the um, hard asses out there, Joe and I both know the tournament is the Open Championship, and if we refer to it as the British Open, and you don't like it, just get over it. Like we're just going to put that out there right now. It's not a mistake. It's just the way we grew up. So I'm just I'm just clearing the air right there. If Some you people think- get really really upset about that. Yeah, and really the best way to get back at us is to leave a review on Apple Podcasts, five stars with why we're wrong. It's called the U.S. Masters overseas, so that's why we call it the British Open in America. Fair enough. We don't, yeah, we don't need to go into that. I just want to clear the air. Just, just let people know. We know. We know, and it, it just is what it is. You're putting the cards on the table early, Nick, and I like that. Okay. 
a but thing. This, this thing we're going to get into. Oh, I love yeah. it. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, so it's a thing that golf courses should enforce that they do not. Now, my inspiration for this is my home course. The front nine has three par threes, three par fives, three par fours. All the par fours are somewhat drivable. One's like 320, got to hit a bomb. Not really, but people are going to wait, right? So everyone is just waiting and waiting and waiting. And you see this really at any golf course on par fives or a short par four where you want to wait to try to drive the green because it's 270. You're hitting the big stick well. You feel like you can do it. You feel like you can make it. And you should wait because hitting into people is wrong. However, there's something that I've only ever seen on one golf course that I played, and I can't remember which one it was. But there's a little sign on every single green, on every par five, and every short par four that says, when everyone has reached the green, stand to the side and wave up the group on the tee box to hit, and then you finish out the hole. Now, I know that sounds like a radical idea because even though you see it on the PGA Tour and professional golf, LPGA Tour, Senior Tour, all the time, you never see that on a regular golf course. I would go so far as to say that if you saw a group tee off on a par four, you're the group behind them, and you said to them, hey, when you get to the green, wave us up, we'll hit our shots up. They would think you were absolutely nuts. There is no way they would think that is anything normal. But I posture to you, Nick Heidelberger, that this should be a standard practice on all golf courses. It would speed up play because we don't have to wait, and people would hit the shots they want to hit instead of laying up for time's sake as opposed to it being their actual strategy on the golf hole. I know it's a lot. Yeah, I mean, it's just so unrealistic. First of all, you say you see it all the time, like on the on the tours. I can think of one instance where I remember seeing that in like a professional golf event. And and I will I will say when I'm when I'm watching golf, which isn't necessarily every day. When I am watching golf, I'm, I'm not even usually paying that much attention. Like it's it's on, and I'm like folding laundry or cooking dinner or like taking a nap, taking or, a nap, or, yeah, you know, doing something else. Obviously. Dad stuff, but yeah, for sure. But but still, you don't see this all the time. I remember it was, I believe it was the PGA Championship when like Rory and Ricky Fowler and Phil Mickelson like had some like awkward exchange where like the group behind thought they were just playing up on every hole, but really. Phil and they gave him for finishing one hole and he, whatever. It doesn't matter. That's the only time I can remember where seeing that happen, that was more of a daylight issue. There is zero, there's less than zero chance that like the Joe Schmoes at Hemlock Rigged can figure this out on a regular basis. It's going to lead to more altercations, more confusion than it's, than it's going to solve. And even, I, I, I guess I'm not, I guess I'm sold on the premise I mean, I in theory. Wait a minute. Like, what? What? How, what? A, what about us? Are you trepidatious about? Well, okay. So, you in this scenario, you've got two groups. So, right off the bat, you've got eight presumably idiots out here on the golf course trying to all get on the same page from three hundred yards away, right? So, in a, in a perfect situation, like we, we're already set up for failure because like it only takes one of these idiots to screw it up. And, and get all hot and bothered to, like, cause an altercation. Like, 
one guy in the group is going to wave him through, but somebody's still going to be chipping from like five yards out and he's going to hit his chip shot and the ball's going to land. He's going to get all upset because he, because he fatted his chip or scolded across the green. And it's just like, and now you're like playing behind this group in, in, you know, in, in your scenario, going to be going through the scenario, like five more times throughout the round with the same group. And like, this just seems like a, like a dance that's way too hard to execute on a routine basis. Okay. Well to that, I would say a couple of things. First of all, you know, like the bell at U of I where you're supposed to ring it when you're past the point of where people can hit because it's a blind tee shot. Or I'm yeah. sure you've played courses where there's a gigantic mirror because you can't see the landing area and you stand in a certain spot to see where groups are. I'm not saying that you just decide to do this on the eighth hole of your normal Sunday game. My thing is there's signs on the course. It tells you on the scorecard. There's instruction throughout the time on the golf course telling people what to do. And if they don't pay attention... That's on them. But I think you have at least, in a given day on the golf course, I'm going to say half the people going out. If there was instructions, there was signs, they would be able to figure this out and do it. And it would speed up play and lead to a lot of enjoyment. I understand that you're going to have people who are either beginners or don't give a shit. Like, that's the other 50% of golfers out there, right? It's people who know what they're doing, at least from an etiquette and where to stand and park your cart standpoint. And then there's people who are beginners or just don't care. They're over here. The 50% that we can shape this behavior and at least do it on one course, expand it out to two, then four, then eight, and we take it worldwide, baby. This needs to be something that becomes the norm. I don't understand why you think it is outside of the capability of golfers who follow a hell of a lot of rules anyway to not have something at least on one golf course that says do this you're going to enjoy your round more. I just, I, I, I just don't see it happen. Now, how much time is this going to save? Because, like, I, I, I get that it's probably. I mean, it could save if you're waiting for eight minutes. I, I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe you're waiting for five minutes. Maybe it saves half hour over the course of your round. You're going to. I think at this particular hour, at this particular golf course, there's a lot of par fives, a lot of drivable par fours. I think at this two very, very long par threes from, from the back, they play like 230 from the back. So there's a lot of time on this particular course where you're going to have a long shot into the green. The group ahead can kind of stand to the side. The other group plays up because, I mean, we were stacked all day long. And this always happens at this golf course. But if there is particular signage, in fact, maybe I'll write. Maybe, because this, this course is. Period. Well, this course is owned by the city. So maybe, maybe I'll write the city. Maybe I should take this to City Hall, Nick. Yeah, I mean, aren't you pretty much the mayor of Portland? I'm the mayor of one tiny section of one tiny small neighborhood in southeast Portland. You're, you're the mayor of like half of your bedroom in, in, in Portland. At, on, on good nights. Yeah, on exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm going to write a letter. I'm going to get out a piece of paper and a pen, and I'm going to write the city about why Glendivere Golf Course, my home course, a course I played for 25 years, doesn't have this and I can make it a better course. Hey, I, I'm going to follow up with you on that. When are you going to write the letter? What, what do you have? You have uh, till the end of the month. We could check back in in August and, and, and see if the letter's sent. Maybe, maybe I love you can it. recite the letter for us. I love it. Yes, I will. I'll tell you what. I'll pen the letter this evening. I'll give the rough draft to Lacey. I'll save a backup copy because she'll crumble it up and throw it in the recycling and say, what are you doing with your life? <laughs> and we'll take hey, it from there. Hey, how about you take out the trash and do the dishes? <laughs> 
I did clean the bathroom today, so I have a lot of latitude Ooh. specifically today. Yeah, you got to leverage that. You can't just clean the bathroom and not not milk it for anything. <laughs> that would Playing be that a waste. Early. What do you, What do you have? Um, I, I, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm finished unpacking this, but we'll, we'll, we're mm. gonna move on. Five. No, plus wait. Some. What? A, well, wait I, a minute. I, I can't. I can't even. I can't even pull out. One. <laughs> the thought that I had before we got into this whole letter scenario letter. is sure. so far gone. There's no chance of. of I understand. I understand. Um. Groups of five or more. Last summer, I would play golf every morning, every Sunday morning, I should say, and I would tee off at sunrise. And it would, I would get there at like five fifteen, tee off by five twenty. You animal! I would, I would race through my my round in hopes of getting ahead of this one damn group of like six to seven people who teed off every Sunday morning at seven a.m. In like a six or seven some one group in the every goddamn time I'm putting on the ninth green and like the last thing I'm focused on is my putt. I'm just looking up at the first tee box that's like 25 yards away. And I'm yeah. seeing these carts trickle in and I can recognize them from a mile away. And I'm like, it's the damn group. They're here every week. They slow down the whole. They set the pace for that's like the first tee time they actually book. So if you should get before that, you could. It's like a Beth Page Black situation, but like. Like an extremely poor man's version of that, but like if you're there before seven, you just go out and play, and if you're you know you can start making tea times at seven. And I, for whatever reason, they just let this like group of people play in like a six sum every Sunday at seven a.m. and slow down the entire course. I I could never play an eighteen hole round once or twice. I tried playing behind them; they would never let me through. There, it was just absolute chaos and it was so it was a disaster specifically with this group and then we'll get to the larger point Mm -hmm. when you try to play through what does that look like like they're oblivious like like they have no no clue that like uh, it takes longer for a group of seven people to play golf than than one person even if i was like joined up with like the two people behind me like 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 the concept had never even crossed their mind it wasn't like Hey guys, let's play quicker so they don't have to let them play through, which is like the second worst type of of group that won't let you play through. But this was just like it, it is insanity. It, it was so, it's just insanity. In other words, these guys are not going to follow my signage that I have at Glendevere about letting no, people play no, through on short par fours. It for sure does not apply to them. But bigger picture, this is a problem not just with that group, and maybe it's just this course. But I know you've mentioned it that you've played in a five some sometime in the last twelve months as well. But any any time of day is prone to like these big groups who either just book a tea time for all of their friends or like see somebody they know and join up and there's five or six of them and they're just they just don't care that it it slows everybody else's round down. That's and I don't the know what 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 other I mean I, I I don't get out a lot in terms of the golf courses I play right. So do you see this like? Do you think other courses police this or or do they just kind of like turn the other turn the other way when, when there's a group like that? I think for the most part, they turn the other way on munis. I agree with your thought like 95% of the time because when you see a fivesome or more out there, inevitably their etiquette, knowledge, skill is all representative of them being a fivesome. You never see a fivesome of one handicaps go out there and shoot a pile of 70s. It's always terrible golfers that have no regard for anything going on around them or who's behind them, how fast they're playing, the fact that they're breaking the rules every single hole. Now, here's the thing. If if it's a threesome, right, of of guys shooting 90, 
Okay. That, that you know they're going to move along a, a little bit. There's probably every couple holes going to be somebody who's like searching for a ball. The biggest thing in a fivesome is pretty much every hole. If they're five guys shooting ninety, just bogey golfers, right? You know they they can play a little bit, but they're they're not setting the world on fire. Yeah. If there's a fivesome, you're almost guaranteed every hole somebody's searching. And you're lucky if, if it's just even, one person. Exactly, and even if they're they're following the new three minute rule, which they're definitely not that's still three extra minutes that means that that 12 minute hole is taking 15 minutes at least and that's not even that's not even taking into account the green where most of the time is wasted so yeah, it adds up quick and there's nothing more infuriating being behind a slow group that you cannot control won't let you through is maybe you're four groups behind them and it's just backpiling and there's there's just no chance well it's rare that you find a golf course that has the right laissez-faire attitude about things like coolers, music, and beer, things they should be okay about, and also have a strict attitude toward fivesomes, right? So you're either going to get the very, very strict where it's like foursomes, you better come to the course 15 minutes earlier, we're giving your tea time away, no coolers, none of this nonsense, or you get the other end of the spectrum where it's like, Ah, five sums are probably oh, just keep up with the group ahead of you. You'll be fine. Yeah. And you can have beer and music and all kinds of stuff out there. There that that sweet spot of courses is like two percent. And that's very, very rare. I'm trying to think of one in the area. I don't think we have one. Wait, if there's not one in Portland, then like what's the point of even even searching? No, I mean serious, because like, you know, you have places like Pumpkin Ridge that are very strict, and you have places like Glendevere that are not as extreme as Hemlock Ridge, but I was able to get off on a fivesome with some uh, finagling. Um, yeah, it's bad, Nick. It's bad. If fivesomes were good at golf and played quickly and let people play through and all that was a factor, you probably wouldn't care as much. Or would you? I don't know. It depends on my mood. If you were playing well, you probably wouldn't care too much. Right, right, right. <laughs> all right, so I want signage. Letting people know to play through when appropriate. Mm. I want you up. to post. You know what I was gonna say? I wanted you when you send your letter. I want you to post it on Twitter. <laughs> I want you to post it on Twitter and at the city of Portland. <laughs> well, I don't I even want you do to that. Post a photo of the handwritten letter. I don't want you to put like not like the, the new age thing that the people do where you like write it in your notes and like screenshot right. your notes. And like, I want the handwritten letter a photo of that posted. But wait a minute. Doesn't, doesn't posting it on social media kind of defeat the purpose of like a handwritten letter. I'm trying to keep this a private matter. But you want to keep that. You want to keep them accountable. Maybe like, maybe like by September 1st, if they don't respond, you put it on Twitter and you say, where are you at city of Portland? I sent this, you know, on, on July 15th. All right. So this course is actually run by Metro, which is a subdivision of the city of Portland, as far as like bureaucracy is concerned. Mm -hmm. But in any case, I'm going to send them a letter by the end of this month. You're on notice, Metro Glenavir Golf Course. You have to September 1st to, at the very least, respond and say no in a tactful way. Right. And that's fine. That's fine. You're not the GM of the course. You can't make the decisions. I Just tried. a suggestion and an acknowledgement. That's all exactly. you Exactly. I tried. Um, as it's, a- it, it's Open Championship Week. I think, I think uh, it's time <laughs> to jump into that. It's time to jump into the Open Championship? Yeah. Let's, let's uh, hop the pond. All right. Well, you got a pile of withdrawals you want to talk about. Well, I just think it's notable. Matthew Wolf. Hideki Matsuyama, Kevin Nod, David Duvall, Bubba Watson have all WD'd from the mm. uh, Open Championship. Guess which one I'm most disappointed with? Hideki. David Duvall. 
Because hmm. I know he plays every year, and he doesn't play any other event, so always dying to see what David Duvall shoots. He just tried to grind and make the cut in the open, and he misses it, and he goes, hangs out, has a pork pie, and then goes into the booth for the Golf Channel. It's great. There, I, I love, there's probably like 10 things a year where like, the first thing that pops into my mind is Happy Gilmore when he misses his hockey tryouts. He's like, 364 more days until next year's tryouts. And this is one of them. Like, all right, I play one event a year. I miss the cut. Okay, all right, I'm training for next year. Yeah, you start doing push-ups immediately after missing the cut. Um, <laughs> one thing that I neglected to point out, I think, the last couple of years when we do this podcast before the British Open. Coolest thing that always happens, and it's probably too late for you, Nick, on the East Coast, but... Somewhere around 1045 Pacific time on Wednesday evening, the opening shot of the British Open is struck. And it's just a really cool way to start the week. You can do it before you go to bed. If you're a psycho, you can stay up all night watching the first round of the British Open. Not my cup of tea. But the reason I bring it up is because I watched it last year. And Darren Clark, who we'll talk about a little bit later, it's I think it's something like 6 a.m. local time. <laughs> close up on Darren Clark and they announce his name the 2011 Open Champion Darren Clark and the camera cuts to him and he's ripping a heater at 6am <laughs> I just love it so good <laughs> but apart from that it's a really it's it's just a really cool moment to kick off your week with so if you're awake on the west coast I highly recommend dipping into the golf channel what else do we have Nicholas oh yes okay let's get into it so I mentioned Darren Clark only four players outside the top 100 since the official World Golf Rankings inception in 1986 have won the British Open. Two of them came at the venue for this year, Royal St. George's. The last two times the English course has hosted the tournament in 03 and 2011, it happened. Ben Curtis, who was 396th in the world at the time of his victory, and Darren Clark, who was 111th in the world, won his only major at age 42. I took a look at Derek Clark's ma major record. He didn't have a top 10 in a major championship the eight years preceding his win, and he has not had one since. So this is the kind of course where you catch lightning in a bottle, baby. I was going to say lightning in a bottle. Man, that, that's incredible. I think, and I can't wait to get to your picks, but I think maybe you put too much stock into that stat. Mm. I put all my maybe stock into not. it, baby. I did not diversify my portfolio. Do you want to kick it off, though, with your long shot? Yeah, so um, my long shot, 150 to 1. A major champion already. Oh. Um, and I know I, I kind of have these themes with my picks. And, and for my long shots, I like to pick a guy who's kind of got a lot of the game and just needs just needs a hot putter to win. And this guy fits that bill. Keegan Bradley, he, he hits tons of greens. He's third in the PGA Tour in strokes gained approach. He's a excellent ball striker he is not a good putter he's one of those guys who was hurt by the ban of the belly putter but that being said he is a major champion and he's got the game and like i said if, if that putter gets hot if he finds something on the greens that cup starts looking a little bigger at 150 to 1 that could be a tasty payoff yeah he's he's definitely a good random guy for a long shot who has been showing some form this year for sure. Dude is so twitchy though. You ever you ever sit down and watch Keegan Bradley play for about three or four holes? He's always flipping the club and the way he lines up the ball, he like kind of squints one eye and kind of like looks away from it. And it's it's a whole mess out there. But he look, he was able to win a PGA championship at some point in his life, so that's pretty cool. 
Yeah, that, that's all good. He uh, he did finish second this year at the Valspar, so he does have an individual top two. He, he tied for fourth at the Zurich. I'm not sure who his partner was in that team event, but a couple a couple top fives on his resume this year. So you know, somewhat trending. Oh, oh, I got someone trending for you. Okay, so as Nick alluded to, um, I am following the trend of guys who are not toward the top of the world rankings as a potential winner because it's fun and the payoff is so, so sweet. My long shot is also a major winner. He's done that three times. Good form. I don't know if we're going to call lately, but the most recent major championship he played in T4 at the PGA championship at Kiowa Island, Europe's Ryder cup captain at 200 to one. 162 in the world. This would be his third British Open Championship. I'm taking Patty Harrington. Local kid. I was, I was surprised to see that. Yeah? I I was surprised to see that. I feel pretty good about it. He's he's done some stuff. Is Patty going to win? I don't know. Probably not, but he could. And I'm going to have a lot of fun following him. I hope I get like a fun press conference with Patty because I love that voice. Can't get enough of it. How much at 200 to 1? Would you suggest any fans who are looking for some an interesting weekend invest in that pick? An interesting weekend or just kind of like a <laughs> eh weekend? Well, enough to make the payoff worth it. I mean, I don't know. What would you suggest if your buddy was like, Joey, Patty Harrington, how much? If they What's were the a gambler, I'd, if they were a gambler, I'd say put 50 bucks on it. Ooh. That's $10,000. <laughs> that's that's quite a payout, my friend. Con? I mean... Yeah, but he's got to win the thing. Okay. okay. If our friend Ryan Gilmore is listening, Gilmore, put 50 <laughs> bucks on Patrick Harrington. It's house money. You're still playing with house money, Gilmore. <laughs> who's your contender? Um, a guy we whose name comes up quite a bit when we do this segment because he's probably going to win a major probably sometime in the next couple of years. Ricky Fowler. In, in, 17, <laughs> in 17 starts – in majors in his career, he's made 15 cuts, almost all of them. Got nine top tens, more than half of them, and two second place finishes. Uh, Xander Schauffele, he yeah. gets it done. Tita Green, he gets it done on the greens. He is top 12 in strokes gained. Uh, Tita Green and and putting, both those categories. One of those guys who really brings that well-rounded game. I, I just don't see enough weaknesses to to not put him on this list. And I got him at 16 to one. Yeah, that's pretty solid. I mean, he's coming off a top 10 T10 at the Scottish open, which is kind of a big event this week. I know I have the John Deere, but all the big boys are kind of warming up for the open championship. So he's showing some form. I mean, like you said, Xander just has top tens. And if he rolls some putts, he's certainly capable of winning a major. It just hasn't happened yet. And I mean, he, he didn't have one arm in the green jacket, but but he was pretty close until kind of a collapse late. And I always and I always say those guys who have been that close and tasted it, they end up getting it done soon after. So this could be another one of those situations. Learning experience. Yeah. A, a very a very expensive learning experience. All right. So my contender got into the field when Kevin Na withdrew. Okay. Two-time major winner. He's won a player's championship, showing a little bit of form. He's been on some leaderboards in Europe. 
sneaking around, getting it back. Now I'll concede my dude hasn't won a golf tournament since the 2014 U.S. Open. And uh, that was a while ago now. That's uh, It's been a number of years. I was a much different person in 2014, and I hope Martin Keimer wasn't, because that's my pick at 150-1, to 79th in the world. The German. Another long shot, Nick. That's my contender. I feel like one of these guys, not necessarily my picks, but you're going to have like a handful of four to five name golfers that are past their prime. That's why I did this. I think you're going to have a group uh-huh. of these guys past their prime on the leaderboard. It's just a matter of picking which one it's going to be. And given the random nature of the Open Championship, it probably won't be any of these guys. But those are the first two that I've identified. Patty Harrington, Martin Keimer. Yeah, I feel like your your list of selections here is is just three long shots, which is super interesting. But... <laughs> Well, you'll notice their odds are slowly descending as we get toward my champion, who I feel really good I mean, about. technically, they're ranked in the correct order, so that was that was well done. <laughs> and, and Who's I, your winner, my, Nick? Who's going to win the British winner, Open? Yeah, My winner is, is a random guy. When you hear his name, you're going to think a random guy, but I think I can sell you on the fact that this guy really could win this championship. Go ahead. He's having the best year of his career. He's, he's been around for a while. Best year of his career. Two wins on the PGA Tour this year, including... The Tournament of Champions, which I contest is the hardest tournament to win on the We can't get into that on, nonsense. On planet Earth. It's, 30 it's, person it's, field. You gotta beat 29 guys. Yeah, but you have to beat you have to beat 156 guys in a different tournament just to get into this tournament. <laughs> okay. Go go ahead. So he won he won the toughest tournament in golf. Go on. Yes. The the hardest one to win. Okay. Uh twenty twenty one majors. He finished third at the U.S. Open, tied for 64th at the PGA, tied for 21st at the Masters, and he finished fourth in the 2020 U.S. Open. So he has he has really been hitting his stride in majors. He is currently eighth in the Ryder Cup standings, and I said on a recent episode that I don't think this guy will get a captain's pick no. if he's not in that top eight. So uh, he could be, I'm sorry, that top six. So he could be really playing for a spot to secure a Ryder Cup spot. Harris English at 70 to 1. He's also second in the FedEx Cup standings, which is not my favorite metric, but it You use it a lot some, for not liking it, by the way, bud. Well, there are people out there who have determined that's a good way of ranking the performance of golfers over the course of a season. So if you're okay. second in that category, you must be doing something right. Yeah, I mean for him to be at that number is because his name is Harris English and not Matt Kuchar. Like if Matt Kuchar had this kind of season, Matt Kuchar would be like 22 to one. So there's a lot of value in that pick. And again, British Open can be quite random. I, I think that's a fine winner. It's a good selection. And if he competes, if he gets to the top five finish, he may start getting consideration for that captain's pick if he doesn't make the top six, considering that three out of his last six majors would be top fives. Like that's something you really have to look at. Yeah. I mean, he's eighth right now. Since I made that statement, he's, he's gone up. I think he might've been like, I don't know, 10th to 14th before. So kind of in that gray area, but if he finishes in that top 10, eighth, ninth, seventh, I think he's got to get a pick, but I, I would not be surprised if he jumps into that top six. Someone who will most certainly get a Ryder cup captain's pick regardless of his standing on the European side is my winner. 
coming off a good performance at the Scottish Open. Looked very good. Had the lead early on on Sunday. Got a little bunched up. Finished in the top five. Good performance. Spans never won a major. He's 56th in the world. And I think it's time for Ian Poulter to become a major champion. That is my winner at 100 to 1. Poults. Poults! What do you think, Nick? Poults! Here's what I think. I'm going to give you my honest opinion. Please. You think my picks are terrible. I don't. I, I This is my favorite of your picks. I, I was actually going to have Ian Poulter as my long shot because he has been playing so well, and it is it is so not surprising when he is playing his best golf like on the cusp of a Ryder Cup. Um, and so I, I do consider him to be a threat in this tournament. I'm not quite sure why you wasted your winner pick on Ian Poulter when you, he could have been your long shot and you could have left Martin Keimer and Patrick Harrington at home and picked guys who, who may actually win this tournament. Um, but I love, I love that Poulter is in the conversation. He needs to be in the conversation. He's earned it. I see him more at 100 to one as a long shot than a winner, but Hey, Thanks for thanks for making him part of the conversation. Look, when you have someone at one hundred to one as your winner, it's that much more impressive when you nail it. Look, this is true, Nick. We've been doing this podcast for over four years now, so we 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 picked what 15, 16 majors. I don't think I've gotten close. I'm trying to. I was trying to rack my brain to the closest I've gotten, and I don't think I've gotten in the top two with any of my picks so far. John Rahm was sitting there as such a clear favorite at the U.S. Open. I don't even think I brought him up. I think I brought him up to dismiss his chances to win the golf tournament. So I decided to take I, a new tact and see how it works. A couple things. Um, Ian Poulter, you think he is a, a sure shot captain's pick? He's currently 23rd in the European Ryder Cup standings. You think he's on the 100%. Team? 100%. Don't you? Fair enough. I mean, I, I, I think so, yes. I don't. I wouldn't say a hundred percent. I would say I think so. I mean, who's especially especially the way he's he's been playing lately for sure. But, who's but been the best that. Ryder Cup player? If you had a fantasy draft of Ryder Cup players based on how they've performed in Ryder Cups in the twenty first century, would Ian Poulter be your number one pick? Uh, I mean, yeah, probably, 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 right? I'd have to, I'd have to, I'd have to like. Crunch Go the back numbers. and do, do a little more research. Watch. I'd yeah. have to watch a few more. You know how I would gauge that is like, who's the guy who's got like a 17 footer to win the hole? And you're just like, damn it. I know he's going to make it. And, and, and he, he's probably that guy. He's the answer, dude. I think, he, you know, he's, he's 45. He's kind of getting to the twilight of his career. British open is traditionally a course where older fellas can get it done. I think he's got a real shot this week. Yeah, no, no doubt. And, and back to the John Rom thing. And I know you like dismissed his chances. I had him for the PGA. He was my winner for the PGA Championship, and and I think you like laughed me off of the podcast. And then like three weeks later, he won a major. Yeah, I just I just had I just had to throw that out there. Well, to be fair, I'm not, I'm not mad. Completely different majors. A U.S. Open at the course he probably plays the best. Like, yeah, I dismissed his chances purely based on his withdraw and the weird COVID stuff, and I thought his mind wouldn't be right. I was wrong. I'm right a lot on here. It's okay. Folks, how you can be right about something is if you go to precisionprogolf.com, use that promo code TURN10 at checkout, save 10 bucks on incredible rangefinders. You can go top, top, 
you can go the most modestly priced. You're still going to get a high quality product. You're going to hit the green. You're going to shoot lower scores. Turn 10 at precisionprogolf.com. I have to give, do you have anything else? I have one more thing. No. So I've been playing with my dad in the uh, the men's club at the local course, Glendivere, which I've besmirched for the first 10 minutes of the podcast. And I didn't really realize it until like two weeks after it happened, but my dad is 67 and he shot 74. So like, he's probably going to shoot his age like pretty soon. It was kind of, it didn't really dawn on me. And I was like, he's only seven years away from his age. That's, that's pretty good. So shout out Bob Simon Sr. Keep going, yeah. man. Yeah, keep that up. Uh, If you have nothing else, I just want to remind the folks that if you're at this point of the podcast, again, little contest, if you correctly identify the British Open champion by leaving a review with the name of the champion prior to the start of the tournament on Apple Podcasts and giving us five stars, I will go into my garage, I will take three boxes from the mountain of Vice golf ball boxes that I have sitting in there, and I will ship them to you. As your prize, make make sure you make sure you put that on our on our social media channels so all the fans have the, the opportunity to uh, absolutely. I'm to gonna I'm gonna put it out. I, I love it. I'm gonna put it out immediately. Did did um did you get a pick from Lacey for this major? Damn it! Yeah. No, did you get one from Ash? No. Okay. Well, <laughs> that, well, we'll tweet them. We'll tweet them. We'll tweet them. We're gonna need to get two more names in there because just on yeah. our own, I don't. All right. Do I you want to recap if you were yours? Sneak a couple, uh, a, a, an extra contender in there, like last time. Uh, a, a really long shot. <laughs> yeah, really, my, my my long shot. That didn't work uh, either. <laughs> no, I know. Well, if you're gonna if you're gonna sneak an extra in there, sneak in two like winners, not two guys who have no chance. Yeah, I'm gonna sneak in Dustin Johnson and <laughs> Justin <laughs> Thomas. <laughs> okay, so to recap our picks for the 2021 British Open Championship. Nick went with Keegan Bradley at 151 in his long shot, Xander Shoffley at 16 to 1 for his contender, and Harris English at 70 to 1 for his winner. I went for my long shot, Patrick Harrington at 200 to 1. <laughs> Looking at these picks again. Okay, I have Patrick Harrington at 201 as my long shot, Martin Keimer as my contender at 150 to 1. And this one I feel good about. Ian Poulter, the winner, at 100 to 1. It's going to be an exciting week. I can't wait for this British Open. Joe, after this, if. If you don't get one of these right, here's what I'm going to do for you. Mm-hmm. I'm going to I'm going to give you a tap in. When we do our Ryder Cup preview, you're going to have a 50% chance of, of correctly predicting and identifying no, the, the the champion team in that event. But then you're going to pick, you know, you know what I'm going to do, I'm going to take a tie. <laughs> <laughs> That's my long shot, that. a tie. At 1100 to 1, a tie. Oh, um we also have the Olympics coming up too, which I'm I, uh, I I'm excited for. I, I'm very interested to see. I haven't I haven't dove into that too much yet, but I, I'm going to. Uh, so expect some Olympic content, both on the airwaves and the socials. Well, I'll tell you what. Why don't we do this, Nick? Why don't we lay out our schedule for the folks? Why don't we do a British Open wrap up, like right mm-hmm. after the tournament on Sunday, and then we're going to have hopefully an interview that I hope we get for the following week. But either way, we'll do a full Olympic where we are with the Olympics two weeks from now, which should put us in good standing for the actual Olympics starting, if my math is correct. Yeah, it starts, yeah, it starts, uh, I want to say like July 29th. Perfect. 
So we, as a matter of fact, I'm pretty sure the Open Championship is the last qualifying event. So we'll have our full Olympic breakdown at that point. I'll spend at least five minutes berating Rory Sabatini for his, I don't know. I guess it's fine, folks. He's now, he's now, he's now Romanian and uh, he's going to have a chance at a gold medal because of it. So if he's standing on the, the podium when it's all said and done, <laughs> that would be pretty cool. If he mapped it out four years in advance, I'm going to become a Romanian citizen because that's what my wife is. So I can make the Olympics in 2020. Had to wait a year because of COVID. Still got it done. I haven't seen his name on a leaderboard in four years. So we'll see. He, he he has been playing not bad. And also the Olympics, that field is is like the top three guys from every from like it's it's probably like 15 of the world top 50, and then like 80 of the world like 50 to 2000. Mm, I can't wait for our Olympic picks. I hope my bronze comes through. <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks, once again, right. turn in to check out precisionprogolf.com. Ian Poulter will win the 2021. <laughs> Open Championship. We'll talk to you soon. I'm Lacey Evans. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time at the turn.